Welcome to Digging In with Missouri Farm Bureau. I'm Eric Bull, Director of Public Affairs. And with me again today are BJ Tanksley and Spencer Tuma. Thank you for joining us, guys. Hey, glad to be here again. Yeah, thanks. It's fun to be back. Yeah, we had a fun time doing a, a overview of Amendment 3 last week, talking about what it is and exactly what it does when you dive in the details. But this week, we're going to go back into Amendment 3 and talk more about why. Why yes on 3 and why are people opposed to 3? Um, there's a lot of questions we've received uh, in the Facebook comments over the past few days and from people contacting us directly. So we wanted to dive more deeply into uh, what those answers might be on why people are opposed to 3 and why you should not be. Um, so we're going to get going on this. If you have any questions as we do this Facebook Live, which is also going to be put out on our podcast stream, please type them in the comments below and we will try to answer them live on the air. Um, so to begin with, we um, wanted to get a little bit of clarity as to who is supporting the opposition to Amendment 3. We've talked a lot about there being dark money funders and um, big donors that are putting money into this. Uh, but BJ, this is something I know you've looked at quite a bit. What have we seen as to who is really opposing Amendment 3? Yeah, no, we've used um, you know the generic terms out-of-state money um, and you know West and East Coast uh, agendas. Uh, but it was worth looking into. And it was interesting when we dove into the numbers that a lot of the money is coming from the coast. Um, it was something in the neighborhood of five outfits from from Washington, D.C., Texas, um, that, that gave over $2.5 million of the $4 million that's been raised by the extreme coast. And I, I think it's worth noting that, you know, we're out here asking people to vote yes, we ought to take a look at who's voting no, because the truth is, I think it shows a pretty clear picture of who's really asking you to. You know, when you see the fancy ads and you see the social media, um, it seems like, oh, yeah, this is pretty clear. Um, but I think we need to look at who's bringing that message. Definitely. And, you know, we, we're we talking about <clears throat> something for Missourians. This is yeah. about how we draw districts for Missouri representatives in our state capital. So why is it that all these people from out of Missouri, outside of Missouri, are dumping millions of dollars into this campaign. If you uh, write a check for a million dollars or for $400,000 and send it to another state, you must be looking for something. What is it that is really important to you? So we did uh, dive into the details of the reports from the Missouri Ethics Commission. And I hope you guys can see this all right. It's a little bit uh, hard to read if you are on a small screen, but hopefully you'll be able to see it. These are the top 13 donors to the No on 3 campaign. And what you'll notice is the biggest checks are coming from out of state, from Washington, D.C. and Texas, as BJ mentioned. And um, so there's a, a big donor from Oklahoma as well. And New York City is the top individual money donation coming in. Now, these, um, these groups, a lot of them are ones that don't seem to mean much, right? Like North Fund, that's the number that one. Yeah. yeah. Yep. What is the North Fund? So, Spencer, who is North Fund? Yeah, so as you mentioned, Eric, the North Fund is actually an activist group that's based out of Washington, D.C., and their primary goal, actually, uh, one of their biggest stated goals on their website is to uh, make D.C. a state, make mm -hmm. Washington, D.C. a state of the United States of America. Um, I'm not really sure how that relates to redistricting in the state of Missouri, uh, but it certainly doesn't sound like Missouri values to me. And, and one thing I've heard all the, the phrase growing up is there's really no there's really never a free lunch. Right. right. And so 
I guess there really won't be any if we eliminate lobbyist <laughs> gifts, right? But Absolutely. like, but but truly speaking, like, what do these dark money donors want for the price tag that they've paid yeah. to change the redistricting process in the state of Missouri? Um, I, I won't venture to guess, but I think we can probably figure it out. Well, and this is a, a good one to look at. North Fund is they've given more than $1.1 million to this no on three campaign. That's about a quarter of the total funding, as yeah. we saw from the Ethics yeah. Commission. Yeah, and, and just a couple of checks put together. They've sent more than a million dollars, and they have spent over seven uh, or uh, over $5 million in Montana. They're under an ethics investigation in Montana for trying to fund a marijuana legalization initiative out there on their ballot this year. Yeah, and they they very clearly do not disclose their donors. There have been uh, newspapers in Washington, D.C. who have dug in trying to figure out who the donors are to North Fund, who's behind it, where this money's coming from, and the donors are, uh, are not disclosed, and North Fund's uh, spokesman says that they don't disclose where their money comes from. So we have no idea. We don't even know if it's foreign nationals that are giving this money or uh, who it is, but clearly it is uh, very far left-leaning, in all of the things that they have um, supported. They support some ballot initiatives in, Cal- in Colorado as well, um, dumping millions of dollars again, uh, completely unmarked money. We don't know where it came from. And they're trying to do that again here in Missouri. Not uh, not people that we think should be influencing how Missouri's districts are drawn, because why, again, would they be caring so much about that um, if they're not people from Missouri? Yeah, that's interesting. You know, that one's from Washington and a couple others at the top of the list were from Washington, D.C. And you could see how Washington, D.C., there's a lot of interest groups. But a couple in there that I would question more are Texas and Oklahoma. You know, um, these are other states organizations. Obviously, anybody can be located anywhere. But why would they care so much about redistricting in the state of Missouri, North Carolina, New York, California? These things are really interesting to me because if it's Missouri people making Missouri rules, that's one thing. But when we've got this amount of out-of-state interest coming in asking to play such a big role in how we district our state, um, I go to wonder why they care so much about it. And yeah. let's just call this what it is. I mean, it's incredibly disingenuous for these groups to say, well, we want to clean up politics and we want to get money out of politics and then dump $4 million that's into a, a campaign. Point. They're, yeah. they're outspending the support 200 to 1. I mean, literally, like that's not an exaggeration. Four million dollars. But they say they want to get money out of politics. That's not getting out of money, getting money out of politics. That is pay to play politics. And it is nothing more than an attempt to do that. That's exactly right. And yeah, Missouri Farm Bureau wouldn't uh, be going into Arizona trying to tell them how to redistrict, you know, or any of these other states. And we don't have four million dollars. Yeah. Like, we did, first we of all, we don't have $4 million. So, <laughs> um, so there's a few other ways to, to, to look into the data of who is giving the money to this no on three campaign. So I took that same data. And as you see, as you can see on that chart, it is data straight off the federal or the uh, Missouri Ethics Commission website. This is not um, pick and choose. This is straight off the government website as to what they reported as who their donations are from. So the uh, no on three campaign, I split it out um, in this chart that tells you who the dark or what the categories of, of donors are for the no on three campaign. You can see there that almost 60 percent of the dollars that have been donated to no on three come from dark money groups. If you add in the next biggest group, that is unions, and many of those are from Missouri but not all of them. And their total funding is 92% when you put dark money and unions together. 
But then when you add in the trial lawyers um, to those previous two categories, you come up with a total of 94.8%. So only 5% of the money that is against Amendment 3 is from anything other than dark money, unions, and trial lawyers. So from individuals or other organizations. That is um, pretty overwhelming. It's not just a little bit of money that we're talking about. It's almost all of it that's funding these ads. And what we're looking at here is not just dollars and cents and not saying anything particularly about the unions one way or the other, but these are large interest groups who work on a national scene to move agendas in one direction or the other. And probably I would say that if they're spending this much money in the state of Missouri, there's a reason. And that's because they haven't been all that successful inside of the legislature in the last few years. And this is a way to try to affect change. Right. You don't spend millions of dollars on any campaign if you're not expecting something out of the outcome of it. Exactly. A couple more ways to break this down. Um, sometimes they, the opponents of Amendment 3 who want us to say no to it because they don't want uh, the fair districts and keeping communities together. They talk about how they have this broad coalition yep. of uh, supporters and all these small uh, supporters that are donating to them. Well, when you break out the type of donations, the size of donations that they're receiving, you can also see that's just flat out not true. Big donors who have given $5,000 or more to the campaign are more than 96% of the donations. Small donors who have given less than $100 is 1.4% of their donations. This is a, driven by a handful of huge groups. It's not a grassroots campaign. This is some big out-of-state activist, radical activist money coming into Missouri, trying to change the way that we do things. And this method does nothing to get big money out of politics in the state of Missouri. Right. In fact, I would argue it has the opposite effect. Absolutely. Um, and then the last one of the breakdown of those uh, numbers that I'll show you is, um, we, we've talked a lot about it being Missouri's um, decision about how we redistrict and how we shouldn't be letting other states tell us what to do. So just how much of this money is from out of state? Well, here are the numbers. They're $5,000 plus donors, which I, again, I said, um, those are 96.2% uh, of the money comes from this size of the, this group. Well, 76% of that is from outside of Missouri. Only 23% is from inside of Missouri. Why does Every other state cares so much more about the way that these are drawn than these people inside Missouri. It doesn't make sense um, unless they're looking for something for their money. Yeah, and I think that's worth pointing out is this redistricting thing. When you talk to I had a political science major, when you talk to political scientists, there are a lot of people that like to look at different ways to draw districts and the outcomes of of elections and different voting methods. There's a lot of people that would like to play with different voting methods than we have here in the United States, where it's one person, one vote, or you know, you say yes or no to one candidate. There's a lot of people that like to play games with that kind of thing. And I think that's what some of these out-of-state groups are looking to do in the state of Missouri is float a trial balloon and say, hey, if we draw districts based on something else, what will the outcome be? And I don't think Missouri's worth experimenting on. And I think it's very important that Missouri stand up for Missourians in this. And we do vote yes to say, we're not going to be your trial balloon to see how this works out. We don't. And that's the other thing I think is completely disingenuous is the other side says, hey, we just voted on this a few years ago. Yeah, that's fine. And we didn't like it. So we're going to take another vote. We're right. going to see what Missouri truly thinks. You know, there was a lot of candy in that last ballot initiative. And we're going to have the opportunity to vote yes or no again. 
And, and I don't think it's worth seeing how the districts come out right. before we decide whether we like it or not. And that's why we have elections, right? right? I mean, the whole point of elections is that people have the opportunity to weigh in on these issues. And if we think it needs a another look, then as Americans, that's our right that's to right. do so. Right. And we have the right to change our minds. If too. Not, a voter has a right to change their opinion. If not, why would we have an election every two years right. or four years? Right. And I've said about this that it seems to me like they're saying, hey, we snuck one by you two years ago. No take backs. And right. you guys don't get to do it again now because we 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 tricked you once. Um, that's not how democracy works. Yeah, that's like, not the way. That just the, in the case anybody forgot. Go so. so we um, we definitely think there's absolutely nothing wrong with asking voters to decide what happens uh, and giving them an, an option, giving them a choice. Um, one other thing that BJ's uh, pointed out many times, and I fully agree with this, is that um, if you're con concerned about getting money out of politics. Doing this and having trying to create a bunch of 50-50 districts where no one really knows the candidates because there's um, they're from a long way away from where the where the communities are that are split up and represented, then what that's going to do is require a bunch of people to spend a ton more money running TV ads and mm -hmm. direct mail and all those kind of things that, ever, that you hate. Yeah, that we all right, hate. we so all hate. Yeah. None of us want to see more TV ads and more radio ads and all that. But if we have these spindly districts where no one really knows where uh, who any of these people are, or they're not from your community, then that's just going to put more money into the coffers of the consultants yeah. and the the TV contracts that are that are having to to explain who someone is to people who don't know them. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a great point that you bring up. Is what do we all hate worse about campaign season? It's the mailers with the mm -hmm. radical attack ads on it, accusing candidate A of this or candidate B of that. If you know candidate A or B because they're from your community, your county or the town next door, you know whether or not that stuff's true. But if you're from a non-contiguous district that's a long way away, you may not have any relationship with those candidates. And that's gonna make those attacks even worse. I mean, not having that personal accountability of knowing yeah. those people is gonna change everything. I was talking to a sitting state rep who was talking about uh, state house mm -hmm. seats. And he said, the average state house seat costs you know $30,000 or a little more to run. And somebody can typically raise that money locally mm -hmm. if you really wanna get involved in politics. But that if these kinds of districts where everyone was a fight up and down and would, were large districts that you had to cover a lot of room, these could be upwards of 100, 150,000 or more dollars for a state house seat. And he said that just eliminates a lot of candidates because if you can't jump in thinking I can make this locally, it makes it even worse to try to get involved in politics, which means there's even gonna be a smaller pool of people that are willing to get involved. And I think it's bad for everybody in the end. The, 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 the power will switch largely to the out-of-state donors, to these kind of donors that are dumping into this campaign are the same ones that'll be dumping into the campaigns for those for those elected races. So I, I think it, it makes things even worse. If they say this cleans up politics, these same dark money groups are gonna be coming in trying to weigh in on those races in a couple of years. Yeah. And same thing with the political parties. They're going to have more influence than ever because, you know, they're going to be the ones who field these candidates in these long spaghetti districts because they're the only ones who are going to know uh, where the lines really fall and, and who is maybe a viable candidate for their side of things. And they're going to be having to raise the money um, to try to uh, promote their candidates. I think as Missourians, we have really a responsibility to think about whether or not the values of these organizations that are supporting this align with our own. But also, if all you're doing is making it harder for people to enter politics and reserving that for the political elite, 
And I don't think that's truly representative of how Missourians feel their political system should be run yep. or our values as a, as a state. That's a great point. Or the candidate that these groups would line up behind. Yeah. Because it doesn't just mean that I have to have a personal, a, a lot of personal wealth. It could mean that I can get the backing of these groups mm -hmm. to get behind me. And that's not always who we want representing us in right. the Capitol. A lot right. of times that's not who we want representing our values. It's just the person who's able to raise the most money. Yeah. So we're going to turn to the next issue on our list that people have asked a lot of questions about, and that is uh, who are the the other supporters? Not just not necessarily the big money donors, but who else is on the team, so to speak, um, that is no on three. And this is something that uh, you'll hear the proponents um, or the I guess the opponents of Amendment Three talk about all the time is they say, well, we've got a broad bipartisan coalition. Um, yep. There's Republicans and Democrats and independents coming together to oppose Amendment 3. That could not be a bigger lie. Uh, there is one Republican that I keep hearing them talk about, and I haven't seen any others. And it is basically they got one token Republican. And then the rest is a very broad spectrum of kind of leftish to far leftish groups. It's it's a radical group ish. of people. <laughs> yeah, not even ish. ish. It's yeah. extremely radical left wing groups that are. Um, opposing Amendment 3. There's a reason for that. So Spencer's going to show um, some of the ones that are on their own website. These are not ones that we're making up or cherry picking. This is things that they put on their website proudly. They are supported. The No on 3 campaign is supported yeah. by Planned Let's Parenthood. be clear. These are the groups yeah. pushing for a no vote. These people. We are asking you to no. vote yes to protect Missouri districts. These are the groups asking you to vote no. Right. I'm so, going to take this down because I feel like it's hard to see. Yeah. And I really feel like this is go. important. So <laughs> let's just get closer here. Very All good. right. Ad living. Right. We didn't <laughs> so plan that. Some of the ones that are, I think, most shocking are Planned Parenthood, NARAL, and that is the most extreme pro-abortion group in America. Um, they're a big supporter. Um, the Sierra Club, who, if you're a Farm Bureau member, you probably know that the Sierra Club does not align with Missouri's values, especially rural Missouri's values. They're as extreme of an environmentalist organization, activist, radical group as you'll find. Moms Demand Action is another one that has such a warm, fuzzy name, yeah. but that is a hardcore gun control group. Why does a hardcore gun control group care about how Missouri's districts are drawn unless they believe they're getting something out of it and they think it's going to help them achieve their goals? Um, some, some others that you might be a little less familiar with are SEIU. I just use that to represent all the unions that are involved. SEIU is a, um, a the Service Employees International Union, right. a big, very, very politically active union that came to prominence during the Obama administration for being some of the biggest attack dogs on his behalf um, throughout the, the campaigns in 2008 and 2012. Um, they, many people credited them for turning the election in Nevada, where they set up polling places inside of casinos um, so that their people could go and vote. Um, and they they are a huge activist organization for the radical left. Um, Indivisible Kansas City is on their website as a big supporter. Talk about radical. I mean, this is your defund the police, hardcore left-wing people um, on every issue there is to imagine. And um, the one that you might not recognize at all. Yeah, you're going to have to help me with this one. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I thought it was a, a restaurant at first. I had to Google these because I'd never heard of some of these. Bread and Roses? The heck is bread and roses? Sounds really nice. Right? Sounds like yeah, a sandwich like shop a, where you get flowers. Yeah, a pretty good restaurant. <laughs> like a uh, 
some farm to table restaurant or something. There you go. No, it's a socialist political party. No kidding. Not not pretending and I'm not calling them that. That's what they call themselves on their own website. They say we're we like to appeal to socialists and non-socialists alike. Oh. Um, so, you know, at least they're inclusive, but it's a socialist party. They don't have any other parties that are supporting them. The, the um, big thing I'll, I'll point out about those is, is just like you said, these are folks who have not been successful in the Capitol in a while. Right. And I have heard it downplayed a little bit by the other side of this won't be that big of a change in the Missouri Capitol. Well, there's only one reason why they're spending so much money to try to make this change. And there's one reason why these groups are lining up behind it. And that's because in recent time, they have not been all that successful in the Missouri Capitol. Moms Demand Action is there a lot and pushing for gun control measures. And the Missouri Capitol has not been favorable to their point of view. The unions have been there a lot asking for changes and, and the legislature has not been favorable to their point of view. And these others clearly are outside of the mainstream of Missouri politics. And that's why these groups are lining up. They're asking for major change in the Missouri Capitol, not small change, not looking to make sure that your district is more competitive. They think they will find a competitive advantage through this issue. And that's why they're spending so much money to try to get behind it. To even act like it's a bipartisan issue is just completely false. That's completely false. And it's when you can't win at the ballot box, you try to change the rules. That's what they did. They came up with a clever way of putting a bunch of candy in a bill getting people to vote for it. And then now they're trying to say, again, no take backs. You, yeah, you guys right. already did it. So now you can't change it. But that's why it's so important to get out there and vote yes on Amendment 3 is to show that show this dark money, these dark money groups and these um, these organizations that are against Amendment 3, show them that Missouri can't be bought mm-hmm. and that we don't just do whatever these you know national organizations want us to do. Well, one that we haven't covered is the uh, the out-of-state interests that have made a lot of headlines lately where we had some superstars coming into Missouri yeah. trying to think that they're going to really weigh in. We're I, popular right now I don't know among why, the Hollywood elite. I don't know why some <laughs> uh, Hollywood actress would think that Missouri voters should care what she thinks about how we draw legislative districts, but right. um, I don't know that that's the right play. And, and uh, quite frankly, with all due respect, I've never seen your movies and I don't really care how you care about Missouri districting. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I'm, I think that in the next two weeks, we're probably going to see a lot more of that. Uh, they're trying to bring in what they see as the big guns. Yep. And I guess my perspective is if the No on Three campaign sees a bunch of Hollywood activists, actor liberals as the big guns, then that shows you who they are. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't that, see that as, as convincing. That's not. Uh, Missouri values. That's not who we think it is uh, that you should be listening to. I mean, we listen to Missouri farmers. Um, We don't listen to Hollywood liberals. And I think that tells you a lot about who the no on three campaign is. And And in my opinion, sorry, sorry, all Missouri voters should look at their Missouri values, pay attention to who's lined up on which side of this and how you think you'll be best represented. I think Mm -hmm. that's what it really comes down to. If Missouri voters pay attention to who's pushing this thing, they're gonna recognize there's a lot of ads on television, but they're not coming from Missouri voices. And definitely not the Missouri voices that have been largely growing the state in the right direction over the last 10 plus years. Right, they they don't just love us so much that they wanna give us all their money. Yeah, they think we should do a better job of doing so well. Yeah. Yeah, has Jennifer Lawrence ever been to Missouri? 
Maybe. Yes, she and did was, a movie. She was, made a Gone Girl, wasn't she? Oh, that? maybe. Which I was, was in Cape Girardeau. I was actually, when I when BJ and I were both starting to talk at the same time, I was really just going to make a bad joke about how we should call them the big bow and arrows, not the big guns. There you go. Katniss Everdeen shoots a bow yes. and arrow, not a gun. I was, that was over. The production yeah, team hates me right have, now. You would have missed both of our demographics <laughs> right, at that yeah. point. Well, yeah. I have seen the movies, mm. and I feel like it would be much more appropriate to call her a big bow and big arrow. Big bow and arrow. There you well, go. So. Interesting. So you last, learned something new today. Yes, thank you, Spencer. You're welcome. And it's the old Trying to just bring a little You're culture. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, youthful culture. Yeah. So the last uh, item that we have questions about that we're going to um, try to answer is what might the maps look like uh, when redistricting happens if Amendment 3 fails? And we, again, want Amendment 3 to pass. We say vote yes on 3. And a big part of the reason is to keep this type of thing from happening. Yep. And Spencer has... Um, some uh, specific districts we were going to point out on this because yeah, I'll try to point. Sorry, with, yeah, hold it up small. a little bit. Okay. Um, so this is a map that was drawn by a demographer, a professional demographer, back in 2018 when the original uh, Amendment One was proposed. As this is taking the rules that were put in place by Amendment One and trying to draw a map that fit that followed those rules. Um, Meaning it, all districts needed to be competitive based on Republicans and Democrats. And not contiguous, contiguous or compact, which means you had to com- keep communities together, which is what a yes on three would return us to. Right. Just want to be clear about that. So if we don't pass Amendment 3, this is the type of map we might end up with where you can see, you know, look up your home county. But um, there, these maps, map lines just go all over the place and have to dip into the cities, the urban areas where, frankly, there are Democratic votes that are uh, very densely packed. So they pick out a handful of those and then go out into the rural areas where it's less dense and try to create a 50-50 map. I'm particularly fond of Northwest Missouri there, where you can see dipping down, probably finding a piece of Maryville and then making a horseshoe around the rest of it. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, the blue one makes. And then I really like the northern border that runs all the way from Illinois to almost halfway to kansas i really like this one it kind of looks like a roller coaster it's like a <laughs> it's like a fun little ride you never mm-hmm. know what you're going to get also there's one right here um this is howard county it's actually got the whole middle of the county cut out of it eric can you hold that a little closer because yeah. that's a really interesting one um so it's actually got the middle of the county cut out of it right there which i find really odd and then a couple over the here Hill ones the boot hill awesome ones here. are awesome so over here you've got a little piece of jefferson county here in the pink snaking all the way down here into Shannon County. Uh, And then you've got in this red district 157, all the way up here down to the Arkansas line. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot to unpack there. This is not like the official map that would automatically go into place or anything, but this is using the rules that were put into the Constitution by Amendment 1 in 2018. And an educated person taking right. a look at how yeah. you do this. This isn't a cartoon. This isn't a, This isn't pretend. This is an educated person actually taking a look at how would I draw the most fi- close to 50-50 districts as possible. Exactly. And, and, and a true disp- depiction. And I, I do think it's worth pointing out that in even one of the studies uh, that the other side likes to point to as to the impact of this, even the person doing the study says that 
the definition of compact and contiguous is changed in this amendment, but it doesn't really matter that it's changed because it's so far down on yeah. the priority list that it probably would never come up in any redistricting uh, proposal because yeah. it's so far down on the issue that they don't really care about whether or not the districts are close to each other, keep counties or even cities together. I mean, I think in our dense areas, this is probably splitting school districts. This is oh, definitely splitting your counties and your cities for sure. And St. Louis, all of those kind of districts that are what you call yours, whether it's what school did you go to or in the rural areas, what county are you from? This is going to split those apart. And that knowing your representative, having them truly understand your district, be from your district and have that feel of local representation is going to be completely out the door. Absolutely. Well, I think that we've uh, covered the, the main questions that we've been receiving about Amendment 3 and why it is a good idea to vote yes on 3. Um, but before we go, we, of course, have our question of the week, and it's getting close to the end of the month, which means we have Halloween upon us. Uh, it's going to be a kind of a weird Halloween this year with um, the social distancing requirements that some places have. Um, and I don't know how much door to door there's going to be. So I might have to eat a lot of the candy. Oh, that's God. Left over. I know it's really so a shame. Sad. So that is where a question comes from is what is your favorite Halloween candy? I think last week, let's see, we start with PJ? I went first last week. Okay. So, let's so this week we'll start with PJ. It's definitely chocolate and it's probably uh, Snickers or Twix. I mean, they're standards. They're right there. They've got the mix of caramel and chocolate and that's where it's going to be. It's pretty good stuff. Yeah. All right, Spencer. Okay, um, so as usual, I have two. <laughs> so <laughs> um, so I'm going to go with my hometown one, and then I'm going to go with a more traditional one. So um, where I'm from in Shell City, there was a uh, lady who made popcorn balls every year. And it was she actually used to be my parents' neighbor, so I've known her my whole life. Uh, and every year I ask my parents still to go over to her house and get nice. popcorn balls and bring them to me. Do you make them dress up? No, I don't make them dress up. Um, <laughs> Although they probably would, if I asked. Um, and then actually my favorite, probably just traditional, is definitely Reese's. Pumpkin or just regular Reese's cup, I'm not picky. Oh, oh. Hmm. yeah. Those aren't bad. In our neighborhood, the uh, the famous and popular house is the one that gives away the full candy oh, bars. Oh, yeah. you got to get there quick. We had one of those. I've like, always wanted to be that guy. We yeah. had one that did a full candy bars and a full can sorter. Oh. Wow. It was a treat. Was it a dentist? No, it was not <laughs> oh, a dentist. So... Um, I kind of like all candy. It's sort of a problem. Um, but I think that my favorite, like, specific to Halloween candy would be Mellow Cream Pumpkins. I oh, love those. Uh -huh. My children all love them as well. Hmm. So uh, as soon as we buy a bag of them, they're gone. Um, I also... This I is, guess we should throw in there, candy corn, yay or nay. Oh, I love candy corn. I mean, it's the Only same thing. in small doses. I, I can Large eat like cases. a little bit of I know, it, but I, I never like want it. I know it's unpopular, but I'm pro candy corn. It's, I don't know why yeah. it's unpopular. It's a clean it's sweep. <laughs> it's a clean. It's a clean sweep in the among this crowd. We, my wife, bought a uh, a giant jug of um, honey roasted peanuts. Oh, oh put yeah. the candy corn in yeah, it. It's a the, Snickers. And the candy corn. You mix it's it all together. Fantastic stuff. Our our producers behind us, as you can't see, you're both giving us the thumbs down. So three <laughs> yeah. to two right well, now. But uh, yeah, but they're not on camera, so they lose. You're right. <laughs> now, the other one that I like, it, it's kind of a crossover play from Easter. Um, used to be an exclusively Easter thing when I was a kid, but now the Cadbury Scream Eggs. Oh, oh haven't seen that. Yeah, oh, yes. didn't know that was a it's thing. the exact same thing, but the cream is green. Oh. So it's a Scream Egg. I'm not sure how I feel about that. I don't care. I, I eat the whole thing. Uh, <laughs> I don't even buy it. I don't care what color it is. Yeah. There you go. Oh, 
Lovely. Anyway, well, thank you guys again for yep. joining us. I have my whiteboard. Yes, vote yes. Tim Russert um, coming back to life. One of my first political memories was of Tim Russert on election night. And then unfortunately he passed away suddenly, but he had this whiteboard and we're breaking it out so that you can be a yes on three two weeks from today. Very good. Yeah, please vote yes on three. We do think it's important. It is. So thank you again for your time. And uh, please leave comments below if you have other things you'd like us to address in the future. Otherwise, we will talk to you later. Thanks, everyone.